Hi, and welcome to another edition of What's the Story here on The People Chronicles. My name is Joe Painter, and our guest this afternoon is Patty Malin. Hi, Patty. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good, and it's absolutely delightful to see you. It was nice. We had a quick catch-up, and you and I worked in the same built not the same building, but for the same company a while back, and then I hadn't heard from you for a while. Yes, um, I when I worked uh, for the Reading Eagle Company and I worked in the internet division, I uh, was sick with, at that point, an unknown illness that turned out to be a genetic condition called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. It affects roughly one out of 3,000 to one out of 5,000, depending on who spins the numbers, but um, it's a rare genetic disorder. Uh, usually takes nine years and uh, three doctors to correctly diagnose it. And uh, once I was diagnosed, I was immediately placed on a lung transplant waiting list uh, where I waited until uh, July of 2016 when I was finally transplanted, so. Wow. So. I had no, I knew you were sick, but I didn't know what it was, and perhaps at that time you weren't sure the diagnosis process was still going on. And then just a few months ago, I heard from you, and you told me you had a transplant, and I was just shocked. So take me through your feelings. What was happening during the diagnosis period where something's wrong and you don't know what it is, and then finding out what it meant? I, before I became truly symptomatic, um, I had had a lifetime of very strange and unusual health issues um, to the point when, when I was in my early 20s, someone actually, uh, a physician did say, you probably have something genetic that we just don't know how to test for yet. Really? So I kind of always knew there was something not quite right, but couldn't put a finger on it. I became symptomatic when I was 30, but no one who's 30 wants to think that they're facing some sort of life-threatening illness. So, What were the symptoms? Uh, the symptoms were very sudden and extreme shortness of breath. Mm. Um, I had some skin issues. Uh, I believe it's called paniculitis, where a very small injury can suddenly turn into something kind of uh, horror show-ish. Right. So, <laughs> um, uh, many intestinal issues. Uh, well, not that this is completely terrible, but I, I could never handle alcohol. Um, alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency is actually a liver disorder, um, so, uh, and, and it manifests either as liver disease, usually in infants, or as lung disease, um, starting usually in your 30s or 40s. So. Okay, because you, know, you just said liver disorder, but you didn't need a liver. No, no, luckily. Um, although there are some very, very unlucky people who are affected uh, both with their livers and uh, lungs, I, I ended up with the lung version of, of, of the condition. I did not end up with the liver version, at least so far. It's so. interesting that a doctor said to you, you probably have something genetic, we just don't know what it is. So I was just, just listening to a podcast this morning, actually, on the way to work, and the quote was um, from a doctor, uh, we don't usually see it unless we're looking for it. So did they start looking for something for well, in, in your journey? In truth, alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency uh, is one of these conditions I think many physicians learn about in passing when they're in medical school, but because mm. of its rarity, it's not something that's in the, the, the forefront of their minds when they're diagnosing right, patients. Right. 
Uh, in fact, there is a foundation whose, whose purpose is to raise awareness um, among the general population, but it, really it's the physicians that need to have that a right. little bit more um, um, in the forefront of their, 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 their minds when they are diagnosing patients. So um, it's not that I hold it against anyone. No, 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 I didn't mean that at all, but it's, course, it's an interesting course. observation that, that you would say that. Um, when you got the diagnosis, when it was determined, this is what's causing all of these problems with your health, and the reality set in that your lungs, your lungs were shot? Did, they, did you know right away I need new lungs? Uh, yes, I, I was one of those, uh, I, when I was finally diagnosed and I, the irony was I, I had just taken a job at a travel magazine Oh no! And, uh, and it was kind of my dream job and I went to Mexico and it went very badly. So when I came back, I, I kind of had my fingers crossed and said, okay, powers that be, if you can get me home in one piece, I promise yeah. I will finally go to a doctor. And I had to go to a doctor crying because they were still saying, ah, well, you might have asthma. I was like, no, this is not asthma. Right. I've been living with this for 10 years and I can't. When I worked at the Eagle, I could not walk one of the hallways. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. at that point, I knew that this had gone to a point. So when I was finally diagnosed, it really was, yeah, you have 13% of your lungs left, and we need to put you on a transplant list immediately. Travel magazine, yeah, we're going to have to work on getting you on disability because you, you, you can't be working right now either. So yes, pretty much my entire life as I knew it, uh, up to the age 39, was completely upended and turned upside down in the span of about two hours. So, so you, you sitting here are the personification of, of doing this being an organ donor, and um, we're all asked that. Do you want to do it? But we rarely get an opportunity to meet somebody who's impacted because we checked yes. And that was you. Yes. And I, I, I will say that I am very, very happy. When I was 16 and first applying for my driver's license, I had family members who um, shared with me urban legends such as, oh, if you, if you choose to be an organ donor, you're less likely to be resuscitated after a car accident, um, that it, you will be left in pain because that's part of the procedure of procuring organs. And none of that is true. It, it, it is really just folklore. Um, it's, it's not a painful process. Um, you, you won't know but you will be giving life to many people, not just your lungs, your kidneys, your liver, your pancreas, um, your corneas can bring new sight to someone who's never seen before. Um, I will also say that there is uh, a phenomenon among people who are transplant recipients, uh, survivor's guilt. It helps a lot when you were an organ donor. <laughs> um, oh, because oh, many many donations are cadaver organ or are uh, cadaver donations, which is how lung transplants work. So um, kidney donations can be living donations, liver can be a, li a, a living donation, but somebody has to 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 pass in order to 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 donate organs. Did so. you experience what you call survivor's guilt? Um, sure. I, I, I think a lot about the person who donated the lungs to me, and in, although I am eight months out and I'm still in recovery. Wait um, a minute, wait a minute. You only had this eight months ago? I had this eight months ago in the summertime. 
Um, Patty, you look absolutely fantastic. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking this had to be a few years back. <laughs> no, no, I am wow. still um, in the danger zone, but so far I have done 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 very well. So you feel months. good. I feel good. I feel good. They, uh, when you are, they, 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 uh, walk, going into a transplant is nothing that anyone does lightly. Um, yeah. They, physicians will often describe it as you are trading one set of symptoms for another. I oh. take. 20 different pills every morning and for organ rejection for or organ to rejection prevent and also supplements because I'm now at uh, risk for premature osteoporosis. 60% um, of transplant recipients end up with type 2 diabetes because some medications affect your blood sugar. So um, I have lucked out on some of these things. Um, I have some nerve damage. Um, I have muscle weakness, mm -hmm. mostly because I was in a wheelchair for the last couple years I was listed uh, for a transplant. How long did you wait? Uh, I waited four and a half years. Did it have to be a match, a blood match and all of that? It's, it's a blood match, blood but it's also a tissue match. And okay. the tissue matching, in, in for, for, for my, in a good way, is, is much more complex than it was even six or seven years ago. Um, I think there are a thousand different variations now that they look you for. You mean the abilities the of abilities. what they can match, okay. Yes, they, the transplants are only getting better. Um, outcomes are, are, are growing longer. Uh, Were there false alarms like, we have a match, we know how to match. We have a match, we know how to match. Did you no. guys know? And that is very uncommon. Um, most people, they, they just call them, uh, you know, uh, rough runs, dry runs, uh, false alarms. What does that alarms. mean? It just means that m the vast majority of people who are listed for any organ transplant get at least one dry run, whereas they get called and you usually have to wait six to eight hours uh, while they test the organs to make sure that they are viable. And then uh, over 50% of the time they're not and the people are sent home. So I am very unusual in that I did not have a dry run, but uh, I was called on the Sunday afternoon on Father's Day actually. Um, and uh, they basically were, can you get, if you can get here within two hours, we can get Where you. was here, in Reading or Philadelphia? Uh, I was Reading and um, I was transplanted at the University of Pennsylvania. So, um, so you had two hours? Uh, yes. And you knew for several years that you were on call yes. two hours. I could not be more than two hours away from the center, so wow. um, unless I wanted to be delisted. And there were all sorts of um, you know, ups and downs. At one point, I had some strange things on an x-ray that could be cancer, but because I was too sick oh to have my. a biopsy, they had to wait it out for several months, so I was delisted. It's, oh. it's a very it's a very up and down emotional experience being listed for a transplant. Yet you're wearing an extraordinary smile. <laughs> That's the first thing I saw when I saw you again, and it still it graces your face. Is that gratitude? Is it's that gratitude? It's uh, when you can't walk and you are um, trapped in a wheelchair on oxygen for four years. Um, just the ability to walk up Penn Street to come to your office is a little bit of a thrill. So, um, you know, at, at this point, both for the sake of the donor who, who lost her life and I am the continuation of, of her, um, I just want to take, make the most of the time that I have. Um, lung transplants typically have a survival rate of five years. 
Um, they, it, it can be longer, it can be shorter. So uh, living day to day is, is kind of the, the best approach if, unless you want to kind of be sad all the time. So. We often hear um, every day's a gift, right? And it becomes kind of a hackneyed phrase, but you, you give a whole new perspective yeah. to that. And you said the donor. Do you, have you met the donor, the donor's family? Do you know anything about the donor? Is that, is that a choice you make when you become a donor? You um, it's a choice that's made both by the donor's family and mm -hmm. by the recipient. Um, there is a wonderful foundation. It's uh, the Gift of Life Foundation in Philadelphia. In fact, each region in the country has its own similar foundation um, that sort of plays as a middleman between mm -hmm. the medical institutions and the donors and the donor families. Um, the way it works is that um, I am invited to write a thank you note to the donor's family. And after a certain period of time, not to be cryptic, but just to make sure the, the sure. first six months are, are very touch and go. Um, the first entire year is considered And you're not a year yet. Go. No, I'm not out of a year. So, so, so you write a thank you note and um, it is uh, passed along to the Gift of Life Foundation and then they contact the family. And if the family wants to learn about right. the recipient, then it is up to them to, to accept the, um, the, the, the notice and then contact me if, if they want to. So um, I wrote my, my letter after Christmas. I have not heard back yet and I don't know if that's because the Gift of Life Foundation is still holding it or if they mm -hmm. needed some time to process. But um, you know, I may never hear from them, I right. may hear from them. Uh, Based on what you said though, Patty, um, when you become an organ donor and if you're in an in accident or, or something like that, there are many parts that can go on and be donated yes. to, to people who need them. So ostensibly that family could get multiple. Uh, they absolutely you know. did. I am positive they yeah. did. Um, it, I, I, it is very rare. Lungs are an incredibly difficult organ to, to um, procure. Uh, kidneys, liver, um, even heart transplants, believe it or not, are actually um, still very difficult in terms of um, But easier than technique. lungs? Uh, they have a better prognosis than lungs and are oh. easier to procure. So um, part of the reason why lung transplants are a little trickier than others is because your organs are, are typically only exposed to what you put into your body, whereas your lungs are exposed to the world around you. Oh. So you pass somebody who has a cold that those you, you are mm -hmm. going to be inhaling that bacteria. So. Um, that that's why they it's a little trickier uh, hopefully they, they will continue to make advances in anti-reduction me medications and uh, you know there's talk of cloning and um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. so there you know the the, the long-term outlook is is good but you know at this moment I had about the best care that you could you you're, could have. You're so. a trailblazer. <laughs> you are. So I believe, you know, beating the odds and making, showing the success rate and, and making a difference. Well, I, I hope so. And if not, at least I want to make sure that what, what I do have, I, I kind of feel like this is a second life. Mm -hmm. You know, in video game terms, this is my, my bonus round. So I want to make the most of it. So. And you are, you are. <laughs> You're writing right now? Um, I am, I, I am writing. Um, I'm still doing a little uh, web work. I'm, I'm gradually trying to move back into working. I, I really enjoyed my career, so that, that is kind of my ultimate objective. Um, you know, I'm not going to put so much pressure on myself that if it no. doesn't work out, no, that no, no, it's, no. it's okay. But uh, yes, I write um, liner notes and occasionally do audio commentaries for really bad 70s drive-in movies. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I work uh, for a few music-related websites still. Using um, the name Patty Malin. Uh, using the name Patty Malin. I don't know Malin, if there was a yes. pseudonym at this point. Uh, well, sometimes I use my maiden name, which was Patty Breen. So okay. um, it kind of depends on the project. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay busy. And, uh, you know, uh, again, offering support to other people that I, w when, when you go through a transplant, uh, your rehabilitation group, your physical uh, therapy group kind of becomes like your graduating class. Oh. So uh, I, I, I've been trying to put effort into to both trying to lift up people as they, they, you know, have setbacks and, you know, keep in touch with the people who are also blazing trails and, and, and doing really well. So. I have to thank you very, very much for sharing this story. Well, thank you. It's thank hugely you impactful, and, and that's, that's what this organ donor means. And you made it real for me. I am an organ donor as well, um, but I don't know that I've ever connected all of the dots and the impact that means to somebody who's waiting well, for something. So that's a beautiful thing. What surprises me is that nationally, only slightly more than 50% of all Americans are, choose to be organ donors. Really? And sometimes I wonder if that's because when you do go to apply for a license, they kind of ask you, are you sure? Are you really sure that you want to be an <laughs> organ donor? Um, so let me just say that there really is no reason not to. Um, in terms of just pure altruism, this is, you are giving life to not just people like me, but five or six other people. Um, many of them are young, I think, you know, mm -hmm. in the times when I, I started to feel sorry for myself, you know, to see these, the, and I'm calling them kids, but they're in their 20s, and it's amazing that, 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 that children born with cystic fibrosis are even living to their 20s, but when you see these young people who never really even had a full chance of going to college or even finishing high school without yeah. tutors and whatnot, it, it really makes you realize that this is, one of the most giving things you can do as a human being. So the next time you apply for your driver's license, just check that box, don't give it a second thought because that choice can save not just one life, but many lives. Because somebody did, we're talking with you, Patty. Exactly. Thank you so very, very much and very best of health and, and blessings in the future. Thank you very much, Jerry. Appreciate it's great it. to see you. Want to know more about who's doing what in Berks County? Check out the stories on thepeoplechronicles.com. These community stories are made possible in part by BCTV, Susie Ray Design, Queen City Family Restaurant, Lamar Advertising, Heidelberg Family Restaurant, Reading Air, Lions and Hole, Peanut Bar, and Kutztown University.